Okay, we'll start the session. Uh, hello, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, firstly, I would like to thank all the participants for taking their time out from their busy schedule and joining in today. So again, special day because with me I have Mr. Sandeep Daga. He's the he's the managing director and chief investment officer at Nike Bars. So we thought of inviting him today, and uh, we'll try and read his mind today in terms of what is the mantra of investing. So uh, let me have the you know privilege of introducing uh, Sandeep. So he brings about almost. Two and a half decades of experience when it comes to investing in both listed and unlisted space, I would say. Uh, and he's 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 an MBA in, from Nursi Munji and he's also did his engineering from from Amravati University. And uh, you know he started his career as a as an investment banker, worked with large organization like ICICI, and then uh, he started his own organization. It's been more than a decade now, around nine and a half years. To be very precise, that he started this company called Nine Rivers, and ever since he has started, he's been investing in mid and small cap space, particularly in the listed size, uh, listed side. And uh, he's also been able to leverage on the strength that he has built in his career of investing in the company and nurturing them. You know, as a as an investment banker, when you invest in unlisted space, you kind of nurture those companies eventually because they become large, uh, five years, ten years down the line. So with the same approach. Uh, he's been investing in, uh, at Nine River. So today we'll speak to him and understand more about uh, what is the kind of investment philosophy uh, they all follow at Nine Rivers. Number one and number two is we'll also try and understand that what does it require to invest in mid and small cap, particularly. So, firstly, uh, welcome on the show, Fast the Expert uh, Sandeep. Thank you, thank you, Vikas. It's my pleasure uh, to be here, and good afternoon, everybody. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it would be uh, good to have an interactive session today, and hopefully, I'll be able to leave some thoughts to ponder over for the audience. Yeah. So you know, uh, at the IF and PMS Experts India, Sandeep, we keep organizing these uh, knowledge-based sessions, and the idea is basically to educate and empower investor community as a whole. And uh, intention is very clear and. Uh, with that thought process, I'm glad to share that we've got about more than 10,000 registered users who have joined us, our community at AIF.com. Wow. Uh, and we've got about more than 4,000 subscribers to our YouTube channel where okay. uh, we are reaching out to more number of people, irrespective of the business relationship or not. Idea is to educate them because sometimes they see the backdated number and they end up investing in somewhere and then they feel that, you know, this is not their cup of tea. And eventually regret and once they go out of stock market they don't come back so easily so so idea is that uh, you know idea is to educate and empower and plus we've also seen a lot of uh, portfolio management uh, uh, pms investors so what was happening initially is they were investing because they were advised by large outfits that you should be investing in only these so-called branded portfolio managers but our attempt is basically at ai pms express india is uh, you know, we believe strongly believe that uh, we see to it that we create an ecosystem where let the allocation go to deserving portfolio managers based right. on their expertise and based on their performance instead of just going by the brand name all the time. You know, right. that is where we thought we'll try and differentiate ourselves. And to large extent, we've been successful. Uh, I would say because these numbers are indicating to me that you know we're going in the right direction. Uh, so uh, that's how it is. So. Uh, let me begin my uh, so format of the show is very simple Sandeep I'll be asking you three questions that we come across uh, in and out uh, every day in our life when we interact with our investors sure. and some of the questions that I have it is you've been investing in 
in uh, in mid and small cap particularly for over nine years and the kind of track record that you bring on the table is really amazing i have been personally observing that uh, month on month and year on year of late post covid your performance has been on the top end of the curve you know it's right. always been quartile one and kagar uh, is about more than 30% for over so long nine long years so can you tell us the mantra of uh, mid and small cap investing i wish i had a mantra but <laughs> but i'll i'll i know uh, you know what you are trying to uh, ask me so essentially see you know we 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 are tagliners private equity approach to small cap investing and often people have asked me what is it that is private equity and how is it different you know uh, from from uh, say others who are investing in similar space so one that we you know going back to our private equity careers you would basically first build a very strong investment team and investment team building would, would basically you will take a 5 7 even sometimes uh, you know 10 year view on certain structural factors which you know are directionally uh, going right for the country or the for the economy or the, for a certain sector or for you know in a certain trend you pick that up and then you go and kind of identify businesses which are going to be a part of that structural tailwind that is available to any business that's that's like a private equity thinking you know you think long term then you you know you slice and dice to see where the opportunity is for you to look for and then you go and identify companies uh, and invest again with a very long term view so you know you you need to build that conviction not only at the time of identifying an investment opportunity but while you stay invested for the long term on each day you need to carry the conviction regardless of you know markets are down and therefore you know i should panic not panic sell requires conviction and markets are on the top and i should be selling or not selling that also requires conviction so that conviction can only come when you are very very closely monitoring your investments and the business environment where those you know investments are operating in where those companies are operating in that's what uh, i would say is leads to long term alpha generation which we have been able to deliver so far uh, i mean i would say that that's the single biggest factor and that would require you to obviously you can't invest in 40 50 companies and create a large portfolio you need to be therefore comfortable working with a reasonably concentrated portfolio so for example we have typically 12 to 15 stocks in our portfolio not more than that in our individual clients portfolio why because we believe that you know when you have done so much of homework and again this is private equity like private equity portfolios are concentrated so you know you you have done all the 360 degree evaluation you spent time and effort beyond desk so I, you know i would say 30% of our research is desk research 70% happens on the ground you know channel checking validating your investment theses understanding the people behind the show all of it after doing so much of work you should put a good amount of money to work so don't needlessly diversify because you will not be able to do justice in terms of understanding so many businesses and monitoring so many businesses so you are your you you have the comfort of you know understanding and having that conviction and therefore you can run with a reasonably concentrated portfolio which also eventually i believe delivers superior alpha when it comes to small caps 
so you know it's counterintuitive people will say that oh you know you 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 diversify and you reduce risk in my opinion if you do your homework well then you can achieve the whatever diversification sectoral or you know uh, in terms of business sizes that you want to invest in within that 15 stocks and you know yet achieve better results than owning 40 50 stocks which you can't monitor so you don't know what's happening so small caps are more like private equity in that sense and therefore this approach helps a lot so something you have talked about private equity approach can you elaborate a bit for our audience what is the difference between the simple way of investing in small cap or having a private equity approach sure what i will do here uh, it's a very good question but you know often times uh, it's always better to work with an illustration so i for today's uh, our conversation i had put together a few slides they are no, not in any order i'll just pick up a slide Please. take an example and let's let's you know let's uh, uh, you know work on this question through that example yeah. so i i will just uh, you know just give me a moment yeah, just use the share screen uh, option right 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 i'm i'm doing this. let me so uh can you see the screen now yeah very much okay great so now here we have a i'm going to talk about you know couple of case studies so praj industries is one such case study where we identified this thesis or theme almost four four and a half years ago how what is the private equity approach you you started first you know when india became a signatory and committed itself to the paris climate accord so we knew that as a country now we need to take certain decisive steps towards you know uh, a climate change towards reducing the carbon footprint etc etc now how would we do that you know there are multiple ways of doing it so you know you go and make more renewable energy you uh, you know uh, go and uh, move towards electric vehicles one of the things was reduce vehicular emission which is a very low hanging fruit because the ethanol blending in fuel which was at 5% and that needed to go to 20% this policy paper was in existence from 2003 so it's not new that the policy paper existed from 2003 it's the execution of that was not happening so when the government becomes committed to such a big global uh, climate accord we started monitoring what's happening and when we saw that the government is now moving and actually becoming very serious on and the policy is turning into action on the ground in terms of you know increasing the ethanol blending in in fuel is when we actually went and picked up praj now before this we had already met praj a lot of uh, you know insights that we got about what this whole you know uh, fuel blending and how it's going to be beneficial for the country how uh, you know this is good economics and good politics coming together this policy all of this we were already we had done our homework we had met the participants of our listed companies also we had met so we understood the dynamics but we went waited for the policy action when the policy action happened we started we bought i think somewhere in the last quarter of uh, uh, 2018 calendar year 2018 is when we started buying praj now because if you would have looked at praj in in that last quarter of 2018 historically for 5 years praj had a very tepid sales growth praj had a you know a huge balance sheet because they had a lot of cash so all the return ratios were suppressed and trust me so many people told us that you know when we bought praj 
what are you buying into this company has not seen growth for the last 5 7 years there you know the return ratios are suppressed of course there is no debt you know so there was no other concern but so now here comes the private equity approach where you know we were able to basis the changes that were anticipated and the action already begun on the ground we were able to model the next 5 7 years of branch in our model and we said that this is all going to change the sub 10% growth will go to 25 30% kagar growth over the next 5 years praj is the largest maker of ethanol plants in the country it has a 60% market share so if the country has to go up and go from 5% to 20% which was the government's initial target was to do it by 2030 which was later advanced by 2025 then we could estimate the amount of new ethanol capacity that needs to come into the country and for that ethanol capacity to come up how how much praj can do and what is it that the praj can see as a growth you know of course there will be uh, you know few more smaller prajes required to, to to get to that capacity so we knew that they are at the right place at the right time and from here growth will beckon look today so today we we first would have bought praj at the rate of 80 85 i think the next lot we bought at 125 130 since then we have not bought and i'll come to you why but and today the praj price i mean in jan it was 425 i really don't know what it is today but you know somewhere around that so we are already like 5x in our in our portfolio and and the journey of praj is the, you know is firing on all cylinders so there is another you know few years before we think of exiting but what i want to say is that this is private equity where you you were able to get to the you know get into the structural tailwind understand where it is coming from apply it in the case of a certain company and then say that okay how does how do you model this over the now now what is happening is at 300 270 300 rupees all i have seen a number of buy side reports i mean sell side reports were coming are ascribing a buy to praj and praj has now become going into many mutual funds and many other pmss sure. i don't know of anybody who was talking when we were you know uh, at 8500 rupees when praj was and it was languishing there for a long time as you can see you know from 18 till almost you know uh, jan 20 feb 20 it was there then post covid it fell and from there of course you know it has seen a significant uptick over the last two years so this is this is what Uh, the private equity approach is where you take a lot of effort you deep dive you understand and then you build that thesis and you try and discover the thesis early on and the whole effort is to capture the discovery premium along the way oh, it, all of this happens over the long term another notable thing is here is that how, see how patient we had to be you know from let's say 2019 till 2000 you know till the till about mid 2020 nothing happened it's only after that that the stock started to perform and the return started to show up so for 18 months or 21 months we were you know we were just we were believing in our conviction we knew we have to hold but it, the, the the conviction or the the value didn't show up in the stock price so this is this is what uh, the private equity approach is another uh, while we are there you know again very quick example is tejas networks this is what we bought immediately post pandemic now when we bought this company this company had again you know they were uh, you know pre covid you know the 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 whole telecom equipment market was dominated by china the huawei's of the world but 
post covid when you know the uh, and you know this whole anti china sentiments built up lot of countries banned huawei and we said that you know there is this telecom uh, equipments maker which basically has patents has globally recognized products but they were never able to you know beat the chinese competition so we could clearly see that here there is an immediate opportunity but we could also see the long term opportunity because once you enter any market once you have gone there your equipment is gone there then that market every time the network expands you will go to the same vendor you would require the amcs etc etc and that's how we were able to model tejas when tejas in the history was saddled with huge amount of receivables from bsnl very tepid growth because they were earlier focused on india and india was not spending on telecom in the post covid world we could see that you know the work from home and the you know need for 4g and 5g connectivity and and the bandwidth is just going to skyrocket i'm sorry so it was very uh, you know for, therefore we could model it and look what happened it's from there praj is now over 10x our price somewhere down the line of course tata group became very aggressive in terms of looking at this space so they came in and they became the promoters and from there now you know people are talking about buying and 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 investing in in tejas for the long term from these prices so again that whole discovery premium and the private equity approach of taking a deep dive understanding envisaging and anticipating the situation and modeling it up that's what Uh, is 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 makes is the private equity approach along the way of course you know going and doing your due diligence on on the business uh, developing your comfort around the promoters management all of that happens the other thing is to add is yeah you know when you when you work for the private equity companies you at times uh, because you've given them money you come on the board and start observing every data points and start yeah. nurturing them start guiding them because your uh, alignment of interest is completely in sync with each other yes so what happens here is we don't do that because we don't have any agreements or rights and we don't want we don't want to be insiders we buy from the market we sell in the market however you are very right about the unique data points that we monitor we have key monitorables where we will start monitoring certain very significant data points from the ground and that kind of gives us the comfort conviction things are happening you know you will do a lot so channel checking is a integral part of our uh, you know investment process not at the just at the time of discovering an opportunity it is as long as we are holding we are monitoring our companies we continue to do channel checking what is happening so this is what is private equity like uh, yeah so that was a great uh, uh, examples uh, sadeep uh, uh, now i am able to kind of correlate as well so uh, sandeep there are two school of thoughts you know which one says that large cap is always safe and you know don't have to worry about that you make 25% cagr for long long period of time on the other hand you have mid and small cap uh, investors who say that you know i'm concerned about valuation somebody says that no i'm catching up the company at an early stage of their growth curve so what what do you think according to you uh, would be Uh, how do you how do you read this let me put it this way yeah so this is a question that has been often asked of me and sometimes even some of the clients who know me and you know before they became clients so they would ask you you know why not just stay invested in large caps and i say of course you can so first of all a large cap portfolio will not deliver 25% cagr returns over the long term 
it will basically deliver anywhere mid to high teens at best uh, so you know expecting 25% kagar from large cap itself is i would say not a reasonable expectation see one thing is that people have this thing of the you know the safety of large caps what drives a lot of investors to think that small caps are very risky and therefore i should not invest i should stay away and large caps are very safe from a standpoint of liquidity uh, you know in the short term yes it is it's that's that's true from the standpoint of uh, safety it is you know we've seen many large cap companies also going belly up right you know the whole uh, I, i don't want to name but we all know such very some illustrious business groups have disappeared so so to that extent what is it that brings in the safety element is the how robust the business is how strong the balance sheet is and how good the people are If, whether it is small or large these are the determinants which will basically give you that safety over the long term over the short term market volatility will be high in small caps we know that so you obviously don't invest in small one should not even think of investing in small caps if you have a shorter term horizon you need to be looking at the long term but ultimately value gets created and value gets preserved when you have a robust business model you have a strong balance sheet and you have good people backing so to that extent i would say that you know one should look at both independently with asset allocation obviously you know small large caps are more liquid less volatile so you may want to put a larger amount of your money there but a smaller amount of money in small caps because they are uh, obviously relatively less liquid but a good small cap portfolio can deliver superior alpha having said all of this i just want to again share a screen just for to for 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 you know uh, the audience here to appreciate that today's small caps are tomorrow's large caps and some of today's nifty stocks may just go off nifty so just just give me a second again it is the same uh, you yeah. know sorry so here did you know that you know five or six companies of today's nifty were small caps just about 12 13 years ago small caps and they are nifty stocks i mean there are many which are you know large caps uh, which are not a part of indices but they were small caps you know there are many large mid caps which were small caps just about a decade ago or 8 10 years ago you know so here you can see these names you can see their market cap just about 12 13 years ago and see the kind of kagar returns you have so today a bajaj finance is a large cap and a safe haven but you know it has had its journey from a small cap to become a such a large cap and likewise all these companies what i mean to say is that you know by by investing in small caps you are also kind of if you are investing in good small caps you are also catching of future leaders and the future multipliers which will eventually become larger and become part of some of them will become part of you know the bigger indices later you know mid cap and eventually large caps so uh that is what is the other thing which often gets missed out uh, because when people say oh i don't want to invest in small caps nifty store you know the composition of nifty will keep undergoing a change and you will see younger companies which have grown getting and adding uh, getting added over there 
So, uh, Sandeep, uh, uh, you talked about uh, uh, migration from small cap to large cap. Uh, but what's your sense overall? How many companies are really able to migrate from small cap to mid cap and mid cap to large? So, so, so you know, this is our question where there will be very few companies. So, you know, our listed universe is a pyramidical universe, right? You have a large number of uh, small cap companies. Few graduate to become mid caps, or even fewer graduate to become large caps, right? So, you, uh, uh, you that is where. For us, we don't, we don't, as, as managers, we don't speculate which one of our companies will be a 20-year compounder, which is small cap today, can go into Nifty. It happens, but as a strategy, we build a portfolio. We also know that only few can graduate to the next level. So we play the thesis. When the thesis pays out, we exit. Again, going back to what is private equity like? We invest to exit. We don't invest to hold a company for uh, 10 years, 20 years, our typical investment horizon is five years. Maybe sometimes we, we get an opportunity to exit in four years and sometimes we may take six years, but a typical average you know, horizon to stay invested and exit is five years. However, fact of the matter is some of these companies will graduate to the next orbit and to the next orbit. We will only come to know you know, 10, 20 years down the line that some of these companies made it there. But all of these companies over a five-year journey, you pick up any five-year journey, if you invested in them, you, you will make good returns. That's why these kind of compounded returns happen, you know. Pick up any five-year period for the companies I showed you or many others, like, you know, uh, some of the names which are, which are you know, uh, come to my mind, like Astral Poly or uh, Minda Industries, you know, Tata LXC. Look at them and you will see that is a similar multiplier effect. You know, so what I uh, what I want to say is that for us, we go with that private equity approach where we exit. However, there is a fact that not all small, all small caps remain small caps. Some of them graduate to mid caps and eventually become, uh, you know, large caps and go into the bigger indices also is the point I'm making. For us as a strategy, we don't know which one. So we don't speculate. We have the thesis. We take a five-year call and we invest to exit. And we are long-term investors, but we are not forever investors. Since you've been investing for almost over a decade at my universe and also in your previous avatar when you used to work for the large organization. So what are the one or what are the key factors one should look at while building up mid and small cap portfolio, more particularly small cap portfolios? Sure. So what I will do is I will again, you know, go back because what I did is at on one slide, I've just captured the kind of attributes that we look for in our portfolio companies. Okay. So, sure. Yeah, so you have the data in your PPT. Yeah, in there. Sorry. Yeah. So what do we look for in our portfolio companies? This is what we look for. This is, I would say, is what has led us to success. So I'm just putting these down. So it all starts with, as I said, if you're investing in a small cap, don't invest for uh, you know. I should. I don't think it's uh, it's a good idea to invest for a small run or a small you know two quarter good returns because uh, then you can go wrong. Markets can go wrong. Look for uh, something which is more long term in nature, and that comes from certain macro tailwinds. So the tailwinds can be policy, as I as we saw in the case of Raj, or regulatory tailwinds. Tailwinds can be demographic. You know, we are as a country, we are going to consume both goods and services. For example, financials, we are underbanked, underinsured, underinvested. So 
financials as a trend you know the long term trend still continues to show is going to show growth so so many consumer goods so many services you know entertainment and entertainment for example yeah so they are they are tailwinds which are available to a consuming economy and therefore india another tailwind is that we are a tech powerhouse for the world earlier we were just doing services now we are basically doing all kind of ip led development even our own product offering saas offerings so this is also a tailwind available to the country because of the large ecosystem that has got created so you look you know we we have to start looking at any small cap company with where it is coming from from the macros of what structural macros or you know are going to benefit this business then what we look at is within that you know within that theme i want to invest in a solid business franchise so you know in every in any value chain there will be businesses where there is high value addition there is there is very limited competition versus there will be some parts or some pieces of the business will be highly competent i would like want to look at you know a business which is more solid which where you know somebody is a leader in its space you know number 1 number 2 number 3 in that niche uh there is an innovation led component in business you know those companies are actually doing taking all the pioneering efforts whether it is new product new packaging new markets etc etc and often times we see there is there's a lot of operating leverage at play now operating leverage could be you know manufacturing operating leverage you know marketing leverage you know you have you have huge net distribution network and you are bring, bringing in new set of products that is also a huge operating leverage that is available so you look for operating leverage you also look while you uh, because it's very important that while we invest in small caps we invest in small caps who have a very large addressable market you know you know they we don't invest in companies where the market size is very a very small market and limiting factor so you know we we you know when we, when we look at for again going back to praj i mean it's a huge market country is going to you know uh, every part of the country is building ethanol capacity right now and then compressed biogas plants and eventually now they are talking about green hydrogen so you know there is a huge opportunity and the size of the opportunity is large and therefore you know you can grow uh, to any level if you choose to so we are looking at and and as i said we don't look for cutthroat you know the business has hundreds of players and you know one cent you reduce your price and customer switches we want to look at oligopolistic scenarios where it's a club of three four five companies or five players serving a certain niche and therefore you there is not high, it's not hyper competitive uh, we are for growth but we are not for mindless chasing of growth we we basically want to see profitable growth see you know during these times we've seen so many companies especially from the new age companies who's talking of i don't know when i'll make money but i'll grow so uh, at least our dna is such that we will uh, we are unlikely to invest in those companies till we get our, our handle around when they will make profits so we are basically saying that we would want to invest and that's also becomes a very important pusher on the downside for us we are uh, i would say that when you invest in small caps please be wary of debt debt and smaller sized businesses is 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 the deadly you know combination it can hurt you uh because all said and done you know you you are uh, small and you have debt so you have very little leverage with your lenders they can just come and kill so we are we are so debt averse that almost 70% of our portfolio companies are zero debt absolutely and even the balance 30% except financial companies that we may have where 
you lend, you know, you borrow to lend. So that's their business. But otherwise, sorry, others to, are also... sorry to interrupt here. Haanji. You said that the small companies will have to borrow if they have to expand. No, no, no. No, I didn't say that. I'm saying that small companies and debt are a deadly combination from a negative sense, not from a positive sense. If they become a very, very deadly combination for yeah. investors to chew. So don't stay away because uh, good businesses, they do require debt in very, very initially when they are built up. But after that, there is sufficient margin and sufficient free cash flows to fund their growth. And if if there is any inorganic or you know one-time growth uh, capital that is required, such companies go and raise equity rather than debt. So we have seen that again and again and again that you know smaller companies and if they are debt laden, then uh, without an exception, small caps, debt laden small caps, whenever the market will peak out or the business, you know, you will see a decimation of equity valuations. You can go and do this statistical analysis of the past. So debt. Uh, is a bad word for us. We are debt averse. Uh, we obviously look at free cash flow generation potential, you know, and planned use of free cash flow. Because the, if you don't want to borrow and you want to grow, you should generate free cash flow to be uh, redeployed in business. We respect companies that pay income tax at a healthy rate. You know, we believe that a good as a good corporate citizen, you should be paying taxes, and also that's a barometer of uh, you know companies generating real profits. We do, we are not a ESG fund yet. We look at, we apply a very broad ESG lens on companies and we want to see that companies are, uh, you know, high on the ESG quotient. Of this, G is very important, governance. Governance is, you know, extremely important for us. So we look at various facets of governance to establish our comfort. But from a case-to-case -case basis, environment and social quotient also becomes important uh, from our analysis. And then, of course, lastly, you know, I think, all the good things are good, but you should be able to buy that at a reasonable valuation is what our philosophy is. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, Sandeep, uh, you know, there is some sort of uh, uh, inherited or risk, I would say, you know, uh, or sort of, uh, what should I say? Uh, when you invest in mid and small cap, obviously, you have too much of volatility. We saw year of 2017 when market peaked out. And from there, 100 rupees of benchmark came down to as low as 37.5 during the COVID time, and almost 63% of erosion. So during that time, uh, how do we navigate this sort of uh, risk which is involved in investing in particularly small cap space? Yeah. So, so when you invest in small caps, you are bound to encounter a risk, volatility risk, there is no wishing away. Today, even large large caps uh, are far more volatile than they were 10 years ago. So you can imagine how small caps are. And the way to navigate this is by a few, you know, by adopting an approach which has some few legs. Leg number one is that you please invest for the long term. And my definition of long term is minimum five years. If you have an horizon of less than five years, don't invest in small caps. Because if you made money, maybe you got lucky. Uh, but you know, markets are markets, they will be volatile. Then very next year, you can be have, have negative surprises also. So you, if you have the long term and you have the gumption and you have the temperament to stay invested long term and not lose sleep. And if you invest in good companies, then these are passing phases. Number two, you know, 
and this is what where we are again very different as you know Vivek, from the rest is that we do not follow a model portfolio approach why because model portfolio forces you to buy stocks in your model portfolio at whatever underlying valuations they are trading now what that means is that i am ending up buying for my clients who say come today certain stocks which i may not be selling because i am riding the you know boom for my older clients but i have to buy them at super rich valuations and god forbid tomorrow there is a market correction then there can be as you said you know there can be a significant drawdown in individual stock prices and even at a portfolio level so what is important here is that you you know you don't buy good companies don't overpay to buy a good company buy a good company but pay a reasonable price now that is what we do through our guardrails where you know we say that okay only up to a certain valuation multiple we are being willing to pay otherwise we are letting go of the opportunity maybe we will find another one or we will wait for the correction so don't lose so when we say be patient also be patient you know with buying don't be just don't just jump on the bandwagon don't do momentum investing is what i you know believe works for small caps you have to have the patience Uh, both in terms of <laughs> for waiting to buy at the reasonable prices and not losing you know your patience and then holding it through ups and down cycles and eventually you will get the benefit of selling you know when the times are right rather when these these you know uh, 2017 kind of boom comes we see that we get to exit a lot of our sometimes you know a year early or 18 months early because you know what you thought will happen in 5 years is or more than that has happened in three and a half years so you know you why don't you i why will be not say so this is the way to navigate along with that the third leg is please stay invested in again coming back to robust business strong balance sheet good people the combo of this will allow you to you know stay peaceful when the time is bad markets are falling you will not lose sleep you will be calm and and it's it's a passing phase we have seen this again and again and again not just covid you know 2018 19 as you know were not good years for small caps and prior to that okay also seen earlier times also that you know minor ups and downs are down cycle some small caps uh, if not the entire universe some small caps do see sharp corrections and that's where uh, you know the only thing that you have in your control is one where you are invested in the quality of business you are invested in second is what price have you paid to buy don't you know don't go overboard in terms of valuations is what uh, i would say the most important factor oh yeah just to add uh, in fact we have had very uh, different experience while passing 2018 19 and 20 we saw that okay portfolio upar aayega wapas aayega return aayega then you saw 2019 suddenly there is some regulatory changes happened Then you saw 2020. By the time your small cap started recovering, and you saw that now your performance will go mm-hmm. up. And then you mm-hmm. saw suddenly COVID came in, hit the uh, you know market, and suddenly markets fell down by almost 40-50 percent. Some of the stocks went down by 60 percent to large extent. So, so you know what what you rightly said two things here. The patience really plays very very important, and that is where I say this to all my investors that when you are investing in mid and small cap space, particularly. you have to have patience you have to come with the mindset that minimum minimum you will have seven years i would say two years extra seven years of horizon to yeah. be able to ride through the growth journey of the cycle absolutely absolutely you are bang on yeah bang so that's my next question to you so uh, you know you you've been uh, heading this ship of nine river and running this strategy so successfully for over 
nine long years now and you know if your portfolio grows at 26% around in 10 years time your 1 crore becomes 10 crores and in your case it is more than 30% cagr and for nine long years so any any sharing any any learnings that you would like to share a uh, key learnings with our audience yes yes so you know uh, i again want to share because i thought the, rather than making it very very i'll, I'll use a slide again Yeah, please, please, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, just a second. I'm just making it. So here, this is the key learnings from our nine-year journey as a small-cap PMS. We published this, I think, in our last quarterly. So I'm just, you know, reproducing these years. The first point is what you said, Vikas. Patience pays. so uh, nothing more this is the biggest learning in fact we also learned that you know in some of our companies where we lost patience and exited after that exactly everything panned out what we thought you know so patience pays you need to be patient you have to face some flag from the clients because clients will ask you that okay you know why are you holding on that the stock is not performing but when you saw that the fundamentals are broadly you know shaping up and it's a matter of time when the uh, stock price will show you know start showing uh, the value that uh, it truly deserves the second thing is the biggest moat for a company is its leadership and management so you know while you will do everything else that i said we will do but at the end of the day it is the leadership and management team that makes all the difference and we have seen this uh, again time and again and you know in the case of small caps some of these like whenever the, some older generation of uh, promoters have given way to the younger generation who went and you know studied abroad worked for a few years knew the nuances of what's happening the new managerial ways we've seen companies completely transform themselves so from being very very lackadaisical growth you know uh, nothing wrong hygiene wise they were all good but you know very lackadaisical growth the uh, disclosure standards were not up to the mark to these companies going on a high growth bringing in some phenomenal team uh, as a second layer of management uh, you know creating a, a very you know solid uh, disclosure uh, uh, protocol within themselves to, not only in terms of their financial statements but otherwise also when they communicate with the investor and all of that has led to a multiplier effect on these companies so leadership and management is the biggest moat is what we have learned third thing that is very important is you have to be humble I, no matter how successful you are talking about our track record does not mean that we can you know afford to uh, to take it easy we have to be humble and we always have to think that we don't know enough you know and and that's what uh, is our uh, you know one of our learnings like money knowledge also compounds over periods of time and i i'll explain what this means is that you know when you work as a team for many long years and you are in the same space and you are tracking companies industries over time there is this you know there is this uh, you know, the, the the understanding of what's happening anticipating what can happen now basis you know your your, your familiarity with the space and your understanding and the things that you track intuitively you get start getting better as a team and that leads to better outcomes so a say i invested in a uh, i'm just for the you know for example i'm giving let's say i invested in a building material space uh, uh, in in say 2014 15 
we made good money we got out but we continue to track the building material space we continue to uh, interact we continue to stay in touch with the ecosystem internally we continue to deliberate our, our mental energies are you know always working on looking at the next time around when i want to invest in a building material space i'll be sharper better and i'll be able to my outcomes will be better that's what i mean you know the knowledge also compounds reasonable valuation is a function of quality of business but it's not an absolute e multiple you know so uh, this is where i would say that it's a learning curve for all of us that you know you as i said we don't want to overpay but what is the right price to pay uh, is a function of you know quality of business growth outlook and there is always going to be a learning around what is what is we will always have some misses you know we will have some 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 of our decisions going right in terms of paying the valuation some of our decisions will be misses because we thought it is overvalued and the stock ran away and later in retrospect we realized that oh that was not a bad price to pay but this is a learning and you know again we are getting better uh, you know with passage of time trying to uh, anticipate you know future growth and then see that as to what is the right price to pay for a business to buy uh, business fundamentals are often more important than macroeconomics and geopolitical now this is somewhere something which you know is again counterintuitive some people say are india india is going to go into a slow economic growth kya ye ho jayega wo ho jayega but you know what we have seen is in the last 10 years there have been earth shattering events the last one was covid but uske pehle you know uh, since the lehman crisis what not has happened war mongering has happened you know uh, the uh, terrorist attacks have happened and we you know we we had that uh, big uh, nuclear meltdown in japan because of the tsunami everything has happened in the world where everybody thought world is going to come to an end but really all good businesses and good companies stayed put they continued to grow and eventually they continued to deliver once you ride out that that temporary panic phase they can these companies have continued to deliver good results and good uh, ultimately you know good valuations they have commanded so we we do believe that it is business fundamentals that are more important and when you combine that with reasonable valuations then you know you don't have to worry about some macro event uh, like i don't know how many uh, people had taken that panic decision post covid to just sell out and after selling out i don't think anybody bought, uh, bought you know any equities for the next 9 months and it what happened, kind of a, yeah, yeah. and what kind of a miss it has been right so that's what Uh, uh is important that you know business fundamentals are important and lastly this is something which you know listen to your gut in a, sometimes we find everything great on paper every you know in terms of uh the, the the company or the business looks very good to invest in but still the gut is saying there is something amiss and sometimes you have to listen to your gut also that is also a learning uh, that i would say is uh, we have had uh, in our nine year journey yeah sure so currently how is your portfolio position any particular theme that you like or or the second question which is loved with this question is of late we saw mid and small cap really doing well post covid especially do you think hmm. still they look to be attractive uh, zone or or where do they stand sure sure so uh, again i have a slide here because this is uh, something which everybody asks so i thought i'll just put some notes here so one is i'll take the uh, other question whether good time to invest in small caps later yeah. but what are the investment themes that we are excited about uh, 
before i mean these are not the only businesses as i said we are very open minded to looking at anything which is structural long term and we can go and invest if we find the right kind of a, a opportunity within that team but currently we clearly see that you know revenge consumption is, is is already happening it will continue to happen and we will invest where alongside revenge consumption even long term prospects of that businesses uh, are good you know so for example whether it's travel leisure entertainment or uh branded apparel which is basically you know moving away from unbranded to branded and unorganized to organized all of these as a consume young consuming country we are going to see long term growth but because of covid this these the consumption in these say you know in these businesses were stunted and everybody is itching to spend whether it's holiday or whether it's entertainment or whether it's you know decking yourself up again so here you have a you you are going to see a you know a, a, a immediate post covid pop and also long term growth <coughs> i'm sorry uh see lot of people uh, you know uh, while we have seen one level of post covid rally in pharmaceutical and healthcare businesses because it was covid induced what we also believe is that there is going to be a huge investment cycle in the entire global healthcare ecosystem upgradation because covid made the world realize that we were unprepared so once the covid dust dies down we believe that there will be uh, you know a multi year opportunity for indian businesses whether it's pharmaceutical medical devices diagnostics even a lot of tech businesses which will because the new ecosystem upgradation will have a lot of technology element so this is something which we, which is quite exciting to us and we are already are invested in one such opportunity and we will continue to look for more uh one other thing that often gets uh, you know uh, overlooked by by the public markets is that the kind of vc funding is that is happening in india unparalleled and you know the beauty is today that india is no more uh, you know for silicon valley based venture capitalists i'm not talking of the ones who are present in india i'm saying those who are there they are now not saying that okay we want to fund companies in the valley who develop ip they are actually coming and funding companies in india and get and these companies are developing intellectual property so you are going to see a lot of tech coming out of india for the world both in the next 10 years because right from the seed stage until the late stage now funding is available the risk capital is available another beauty is this this, this capital which is now getting into 20s and 30 billion dollars and it will continue to grow is not putting any strain on the country's balance sheet because it's all equity so you know it also provides a huge cushion to the country in terms of foreign exchange and everything so we plus it creates huge amount of job it has a multiplier effect on sectors like real estate where people will go and you know buy houses you know, home improvement leisure entertainment so there is a so we are we are we are going to be always uh, slightly uh, you know biased towards investing in tech companies and as a consequence of this there will be other you know spending areas where spending is going to happen which is all obviously we you know we would like we want to continue to monitor and see uh our, so in manufacturing we want to look at combination of atmanirbhar and china plus one you know so it's not just atmanirbhar for domestic market can you also produce for export and within that one particular segment that we also like is aerospace and defense uh 
Green World theme is a theme which we have been working on. It started with Praj. We will continue to see now, you know, with, with government becoming, now opening up more avenues like green hydrogen, going big time into energy storage, you know, green energy storage because of, you know, electric vehicles and everything that will run on electricity requires storage. ERD is a, actually a tech theme, but it is also a green theme because the entire ERD, uh, you know, companies like LXC, Tata LXC are focused on ERD and many others. This, they are basically serving the global electric vehicle industry today. So it's in a way, you know, they are also helping the cause of going green. That's why we call it as a green world. Uh, financials, we will, India, as I said, is still is underbanked, underinsured, underinvested. You know, so we, we definitely have a bias towards financials also, but we would like to invest in banks or NBFCs that are powering themselves with new age fintech because uh, you know, the age-old way of doing business uh, is giving way to the new age fintech-powered businesses globally, and even here we are seeing that. So we would want to see some of those nimble-footed, very, you know, those who are taking the lead, and those companies can actually, those those banks or NBFCs can actually grow faster, manage their credit better, have better customer response times, and they will be, they will kind of non-linearly benefit in terms of growth is what our vision. And then there are certain post-COVID structural beneficiaries, you know, food and beverages, the way we consume because we were consuming at home. So, so much of consumption took place at home that we, it's a habit-changing thing that has happened. There are e-commerce platforms that are coming up. I'm not talking about, you know, the, the big ones because they will be large caps, but there will be smaller platforms which will come up and we may look at those. Logistics has the face of logistics has changed in this country. It is also completely tech powered now. So there are there, there are interesting plays that are there. We would love to look at those. So these are the kind of opportunities which are there where small caps are, you know, uh, where, where small cap opportunities will be available. Coming to whether to, is it a good time to invest in small caps? I am not a macro market guy to tell you that, you know, what's going to happen in the markets tomorrow. My belief is that Let's look at India uh, per se from a standpoint of where we stand today vis-a-vis uh, -vis the world. So we, we've almost escaped the COVID uh, you know, blow relatively unscathed. We did have our disruption. We did have our share of uh, you know, uh, casualties. But at the end of the day, from an economic standpoint, we have done much, much better than the West in, because the, in the West, the governments and even in Japan, for example, the governments had to spend, they had to really print so much money to give support to people. Our country also did that, but it was very, very directed to the intended beneficiaries and it has worked. So what that has done is that has given the government the elbow room to actually now provide that growth orientation and I mean, support for growing the economy in one way or the other, call it a PLI scheme, call it infrastructure focus, whatever you call it. But at the end of the day, that's the elbow room that is available to the government. The government has not punctured its balance sheet to, to, to you know, get its uh, credit rating downgraded so much that you can't, you know, you won't be able to borrow at reasonable prices, is my view. Uh, we have done much better than the West. Second, we... Uh, because of the way the world today is, that there is this whole uh, China plus one need for the world. World cannot, you know, cannot become over dependent on China, 
and which definitely benefits India in more ways than one. We are only talking about manufacturing. No, there are services. As the Western world will keep getting, you know, it's already aging very fast. The average. So when when the when a when a you know economy ages, when a when a country's age profile gaps going up rapidly, they consume less products, but they consume more services. So we we are we've always been a services oriented economy for the last many many years now and we will continue to with services does not just mean it services we will go into every service possible and there will be some tech element to the service and some physical element where people will go and you know provide those services that is also extremely good driver for our economy now when you have all of this and then you look at the markets then i don't think timing makes any sense take a five year view start somewhere God forbid if market falls, you know, if you have the wherewithal and if you are invested in a good set of companies, add more. Otherwise, you know, because nobody can time, nobody can time the market. Any tomorrow, you know, US and Russia, they create some war mongering or scare mongering they do because they are, you know, that can lead the markets to fall. It's in nobody's control. So somebody should not feel, oh, I should have waited for this fall. Who can predict? Same way, nobody could predict that there would be so much of a rapid recovery from COVID. The markets recovered in like what, three or four weeks. And after that, there were markets have run one way, right? So we don't, I don't think it's a great idea to try and time when to enter small caps. Yes, what is important is we cannot, uh, one should not be looking at buying small caps at super rich valuations. So one needs to be obviously, you know, uh, uh, you know, very, very conscious of the fact that which companies I want to buy and at what valuation. And to that extent, what we do is we, you know, even if a client signs up, it's, as I said, we don't have a model portfolio that you get the check today and it is deployed tomorrow. In 2017, I remember peak of small cap boom, we have taken five, five and a half, six months to build client portfolio, so 12 to 15 stocks. Even today, we are taking about two and a half, three months to build client portfolio because we, our stocks have to be available within the prices that we want. Otherwise, we are happy to wait. So that is what uh, is the is the approach that has worked for us, and I'm sharing that. Sure, great, great. Uh, so before we conclude the session today, uh, so my last question, Sandeep. So if somebody is investing in your portfolio, what should be the time horizon uh, that you look at? Minimum five years. You said seven, so <laughs> so minimum five years. I would. I would. I actually, I actually, with folded hands, tell anybody who has a less than five year view, don't invest, please. Yeah. So it has to be minimum five years. Yeah. Uh, if uh, you have longer, the better, but minimum five years. Yeah. And I also want to say something more about our strategy and expectations yeah. as a as an investor yeah. or our client. See, our strategy is different. As I said, we don't invest like in day one. The entire money is invested in a model portfolio. We take our time to invest. And then our companies, as I explained to you earlier, we, we are here to capture the discovery premium. And it can be, even though the companies are doing all the right things, fundamentally they are getting better. It could be some time before all of that shows up in the valuation. So first two years, you know, look at when you invest with us and whether we are outperforming or underperforming the benchmark, you know, don't look at the financial performance of the portfolio, look at the portfolio quality speak to us about portfolio companies. It's only in the year, third, fourth, fifth year, when you know when the portfolio companies are now 
whatever we thought changes will happen in the fundamentally changes for better they are showing up ultimately markets have you know uh, taken notice of that and it's all showing up in valuations when the returns start and the returns then catch up very fast so this is what typically anecdotally over the last 9 years i have observed and i am just sharing so you know it's not going to be a linear uh, you know return generation for the clients it's always going to be you know a, a curve which will like go like this and then go up so so that that is another you know uh, important thing uh, from our standpoint if uh, for our clients expectations you know that we they should know that what they should expect if they invest with us before i ask my last question uh, i am uh, on announcement for all the audience if you have any questions please type in your questions in q and a box uh, q and a box not in the chat box uh so you know uh, uh, sandeep fed has said that you know they are going to revise the rates now and then you have state election around the corner so what's your sense uh, very difficult to predict the markets but any sense that you have developed how do you oversee the markets in next 6 months time so markets absolutely right these events have the uh, you know have, these events can spook the markets uh, temporarily uh i am again this is my i'm not an expert in in you know global economic matters but my view is that us raising interest rates is a impacts the you know developed markets more than us because we will we we as a economy uh, can withstand uh, a Uh, the, you know the the little bit of uh, because we are in a on a high growth trajectory we don't we don't really get too impacted by that us interest rate increase except for the fact that yes in the interim till we till you know the world adjusts and makes new allocation then sees where that oss or that that island of opportunity is you there will be some amount of a uh, you know uh, some amount of Uh, discomfort which will keep people take flight to safety that let me see what happens but the moment the dust settles down again where is the opportunity one of the big economies where you will see the opportunity is india so money will flow and the way uh, you know we are ultimately what has if we look at the growth of us economy us has you know shown phenomenal growth in the last two years three years even the stocks have but that has all come from innovative companies you know the apples and the and the uh, googles of the world so we are getting there with, with companies that and the you know the innovation quotient that is there in the country right now we are getting there and therefore i think that it's again going to be a small blip a few months and then again you know so very difficult same is the status of you know election state elections my state even 2024 we will have general elections coming up but you know if the economic engine is fired and it is running you can't just stop it even you know with with unanticipated results you have that blip more psychologically but the economic engine is running if you even if you want to slow down it will take 3 4 years before it really slows down and you you kind of you know you see a reversal so to that extent i think we are in a very good as a as a macro economy india is very it's in a pole position and uh, one should not be too worried to about the markets but yes one should be ready for uh, uh, some you know some events spooking the markets and therefore you know very high volatility even in the larger indices okay a uh, couple of questions so the first question comes from mr nataraj 
he said can you share some of your top holdings to be able to see what sort of strategies in place so like yeah. so we have uh, our top five holdings are uh, intellect design which is a, a technology company focused on the global bfsi sector then we have praj which i have already discussed here then we have astra microwave uh, we have tejas networks which again i have described astra microwave is an aerospace and defense company uh, and then we have ccl products which is a, a consumer company in the coffee space global coffee they have a global b2b coffee business and also a coffee brand in india called coffee these are our top five holdings okay next question is uh, some words about the team so what's the size of the team at nine river how will yes. this structure key people apart from sandeep couple of question who takes it right, right. final call sandeep so uh, so that's a very good question for what we do uh, as i said so much of uh, deep dive and and you know on the ground uh, validation and challenge checking so we need a, so we are a team of six investment professionals including myself uh, me and my partner vivek we uh, have close to now almost 27 28 years of uh, experience in financial markets both private equity and public markets then we have uh, two vice presidents who basically are about uh, 14 to 6 17 years of uh, experience in research on the sell and buy side by so pragati and uh, kunal and then we have ritesh and rahil who are 9 to 12 years uh, again in research uh, which are uh, so this that they are our senior analysts so that is our investment team we are a full fledged institutionalized setup so we have our uh, you know head of our operations who's our third partner sandhya she uh, you know oversees complete operations uh, she is also part of cfo and the plant officer uh, underneath her we have you know on the one side accounts the other side the dealing team the dealers uh, so we have two equity dealers then we have uh, kavita who heads our sales and bhakti who provides entire you know uh, assists her and you know making a hassle free client sign up uh, process so they they kind of are the uh, team facing the clients and then we have the admin uh, you know and the support staff so that's that's our organization and uh, who takes the call finally when it comes so to ultimately the way it works is that there is a one either me or vivek will work with one of the analysts on the any target opportunity once the opportunity reaches a stage where it it's then you know whether one has done reasonable homework and research then it basically is thrown open to everybody the entire team so every morning the team meets so the entire team has an opportunity to opine on give any comments you know uh, poke any holes and then ultimately me and vivek basis what the discussion happened me and vivek sit and take a decision as to whether it's a buy or a you know sell or buy you know, whether it's a buy or not and if it's a buy then at what price what valuation is that guardrail valuation where we should buy that is uh, that is something which we decide ultimately i have the veto on everything so buck stops at me understood okay so with that we would like to conclude the session here uh, it was a pleasure interacting with you sandeep so much to learn because uh, always a pleasure talking to you thank, thank you. you thank you everybody yeah. thank you uh, audience uh, for joining in today and uh, in case you have any query 
please write to me at vikas at iiftms.com. If I am unable to answer, I'll get Sandeep and, and answer your questions. So thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.